real talk and just a sprinkle of tough love coming your way. Welcome to the Anxious Therapist Podcast. My name is Jacqueline and I am your host. I am a licensed therapist, online mental health coach, and I have anxiety and depression. I am here to bring you raw, real, relatable content to remind you we are never alone. And today's episode is no different. Are you ready? Let's do this. I got to start this episode by bragging on my Healing Headquarters crew. These ladies and their dedication and commitment to healing is unmatched. Like their willingness to be so vulnerable, so open, so real, and get into the nitty gritty of their shit and work through it is beyond powerful. And I am humbled and so honored to be a part of their journey. My favorite feature of Healing Headquarters and why I'm so sad that it will not be coming back until 2022 is every other week I hop on live in our private Facebook group and the little cohort that is in session at the time gets to ask me anything they want. It can be related to the curriculum and the week of content that they're currently working through or something totally unrelated. Whatever they're struggling with, they get me for an hour every other week just to themselves and can ask me anything. And I love that time because when someone takes advantage of it, when someone utilizes that opportunity to get real and say, okay, behind closed doors, here's what's really going on in my life. What do I do about it? It gives me a chance to help challenge the way they've been thinking about a situation or experience they're having and implement new behaviors, new patterns of thinking. And that's freaking powerful. That is healing to say, Hey, Jacqueline, This is what I'm engaging in right now. I can see that it's not working for me, but I don't know how to change it. What do I do? And then I get to help them fill in that gap. Ugh, it's fucking liberating. So my current Healing Headquarters crew, they are phenomenal, as has every group in the past been. And this week, we had probably our best live Q&A yet. It was fiery goodness. And on the Q&A, we started talking about how do we self-regulate? How do we navigate big emotions, calm ourselves down, and then stay that way? Because what, what they were finding was, okay, I hear you. I you know, took deep breaths during a crisis situation. I got outside and went for a walk, moved my body a little bit, ate a nourishing meal, drank some water, you know, physically regulated my body, which helped momentarily. But then the second I, you know, stopped doing those things and sat down and tried to relax, all the feelings came back again. The big emotion from the crisis situation 
washed over me like a wave and I was completely overwhelmed yet again. What do I do? And so I posed this question and I may have used a similar analogy in the past, but you know, whenever I come up with a new metaphor or analogy and I try it out for the first time, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to hit, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to be the one that sticks that people remember, but it did. And it was so good that I could not resist bringing it here to all of you. So this is what I asked. I said, if you got in a car accident or you, um, you know, had troubles with a brand new car that you just bought, right? Would you then just leave it on the side of the road and abandon it, you know, just forever? Let's say you just ran out of gas. You're driving down the road and you run out of gas. You're like, oh, well, time to buy a new car. Let's just leave this one here. Of course not. You buy that new car off the lot and you drive away knowing you are going to have to maintain it. Whether you get in an accident, whether you run out of gas, regular oil changes, tune-ups, car washes, you make the commitment when you buy a car to take care of it, to maintain it, to keep returning to the gas station regularly so you don't run out of gas, to keep scheduling tune-up appointments so that it stays on the road, to get new tires when you have to drive in the winter so that you can stay safe, to take it through the car wash so that the body, the outside of it, stays in good shape and makes it more enjoyable to look at. <laughs> right? You agreed when you bought this new car to take care of it. That's the level of commitment you have to make to your healing journey. You have to say, whatever emotions, whatever crises come my way, I will maintain it. I will regulate. And I will do it over and over and over again. I was literally just with one of my girlfriends and I was like, we're driving in her car a few weeks ago and, and she, she has this huge crack across her windshield. And I was like, bro, what happened to your windshield? And she's like, oh, you know, funny story. I've been meaning to get it fixed, you know, but I had just a week before this happened, fixed a crack I had from, you know, months prior. I finally went and got that fixed. And then a week later, another rock hits my windshield and it cracks again. And she's like, I just don't even, I'm not even going to worry about it right now, right? And I was like, this is our mental health. It's frustrating when you just did something for your car. Let's say you just filled up with gas and then you go hit a deer and it gets totaled. And you're like, well, there's 40 bucks out the window, right? Because now my car's totaled and I have to get a new one and wait for the insurance and blah, blah, blah. But I just put gas in it. How frustrating, This is the same thing. It is not a one and done. I bought the car. It's mine. I own it. So now I'm set. Right? It's not a, 
I chose to go on my healing journey. I regulated my emotions one time, so now I'm set. It is constant upkeep. It's the same thing I say about rewiring the way that you think, right? You have been engaging in the same thought patterns for years and years and years. The first time you try to think about something differently, let's say you have a deep-rooted thought that you are a failure, okay? The first time you challenge that, you're going to say, I am worthy and I have a lot of proof of success in my life. Okay, the first time you say that, it might feel good for 30 seconds. You're like, okay, I believe that. Yeah, I, I, I have been successful in a lot of areas of my life. That's true. Those 30 seconds go by and something happens and you instantly believe again, I am a failure. Okay, you stub your toe or... Um, you know, uh, something ha- you get some negative feedback at work or you're fighting with your partner and all of a sudden you're like, nope, see, I am a failure. I can't do anything right. That is when you implement the thought again. I am worthy. I do have a great history of success. See how I didn't just transform my way of thinking by challenging it one time. The same is true of your entire healing journey. When you commit to regulating your emotions, you don't get to just do it one time. (laughs) You don't get to just take the deep breaths, calm yourself, and then expect that that emotion is never going to hit you again. It's like the grieving process. Why does everyone grieve so differently? Because it washes over us differently. We experience it differently And we regulate differently when it happens. So when you're grieving, sometimes you get lost in it. You're so sucked in. And it might be weeks before you figure out how to regulate it. It might be weeks before you can get out of bed and back into your day-to-day routine. And just when you think you're doing okay again, something reminds you of the person or the thing that you lost. And it seems to fall apart all over. And you're like, fuck, I thought I was over this. And then we re-regulate. It's a constant practice and maintenance and upkeep of our emotions when we make the commitment to do this healing journey. Let me give you a really concrete personal example of this. You guys have been along for a really long time now, three years in fact, and you have basically had a front seat view into not only my mental health, but my relationship with alcohol. You have watched me go from party girl, wild life of the party, um, blackout drinking to complete 100% months of sobriety to a balanced lifestyle, and everything in between. You've seen it all for me as I have healed my relationship with alcohol. Now, because of my past with my drinking behaviors and my choices, sometimes, it used to be more often than it is now, sometimes I would get caught up in 
shame cycles. Like the not good nostalgia. You know what I mean? When you're reflecting on choices you've made and things you've done and the type of person you were. And you're laying in bed at night and you're just thinking about stupid shit you've done and the shame washes over you. You're like, I don't know who that was. Why did I ever think that was okay? Why did I make those choices? And you're asking yourself those things. Well, today's conversation reminds me a lot of that. I can go months without feeling that way, without thinking about those things. And then randomly feel entirely consumed by my past choices and what I perceive to be mistakes. I can see them as lessons learned, but essentially, looking back, I made mistakes. My drinking got out of hand. I did not act authentically. I was not aligned with the person who I am and who I'm striving to be. That's where the shame comes in, is that I wasn't, I was going against my morals and values when I was engaging in those types of behaviors. And that's hard for me. It's a hard pill to swallow. And most days I don't think about it. Months go by and I don't think about it. But sometimes it hits. And the sinking feeling happens, right? Where your heart just plummets into your stomach. And you're racked with this shame. And it feels so heavy. And so in those moments, I have grace. I understand and recognize that who I am now, current Jacqueline, cannot hold past Jacqueline to these standards and expectations. That it is not fair for me to use everything I know now and all of my lived experiences against that version of myself because I didn't know these things then. I was, I was doing my best and I remind myself of that. And then, yes, I get frustrated. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to relive that time in my life. And you know why shame is so powerful and a little bit of guilt and shame goes a long way? It's because it keeps us from becoming that again, from engaging in those behaviors again, from doing those things again that make us feel that way. It keeps us on track with our morals and our values and what's important to us. It keeps us in integrity. And I remind myself of that. If every once in a while I have to be reminded for whatever reason, it always seems to be late at night when I'm emotionally vulnerable, I'm tired, I'm trying to go to sleep, and my brain's like, hey, remember that really stupid thing you did when you were intoxicated? Let's think about that for a little while. right? If I need to be reminded of and think of those things every once in a while so that I do not become that person again, so that I stay on the recovery and healing side of my battle with alcoholism, I'm okay with that. And in those moments, I have to regulate and maintain my emotions, even though I don't want to. And it feels like a crisis because it's entirely overwhelming. So I have to keep in perspective. This is just a thought, right? This is just an emotional reminder 
of where I was in the past and I'm going to use it to motivate and keep up with this lifelong healing journey that I've committed to. That's what regular maintenance and upkeep looks like. I could go down the rabbit hole of feeling frustrated and going, fuck, why am I thinking about this again? Or I listen to what my body's communicating to me, what my, my brain is telling me. And I thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the reminder of how far I've come. Thank you for the reminder of who I do not want to be ever again. You know, she was doing her best and I can recognize that and I can want more for myself. That's okay. That's okay. And not everyone will understand that journey. Not everyone will understand that my relationship with alcohol will never look like most people's. And I'm okay with that. This journey is for me. This is a decision I have to make and live with. So I'm going to choose something that feels good and aligned for me. So I take the lesson. Rather than trying to push it away, ignore it, not listen to what my body and mind are communicating to me, I I also don't entertain it. I don't sit in the shame cycle. I very actively say, I hear you. Thank you for the reminder. Let's sit in this for a second and allow it to move through us. So I'm also not gripping onto it. That's what we do when we say, I don't want to think about this. Why am I thinking about this? I never want to think about this again. We don't get to pick and choose that shit. Right? So we need to acknowledge, what's this telling me? What's the lesson? How can I let this move through me? Did you love this? Was this an incredible episode? If so, please snap a screenshot right now and share it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag me at the anxious therapist. It means the world to me when you share the podcast. That is the only way we can spread mental health awareness and get this free resource into the hands of the people who need it most. I am forever grateful for you guys, and I can't wait to see you in the next episode.